Hallelujah. So glad to share the word with you today. As our pastor said, I have the privilege to serve. And we know we're not that congregation because the Bible says, henceforth we know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so I pray today that you will hear the heart of what I believe God has given me for you in this hour. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 4. One through four, for time's sake, I'm going all the way down to 11, but I'm not going to read the entirety to 11, but you'll hear different verses, but at your own leisure and time, I would truly um, encourage you to do that. Matthew 4, verses one through four. And it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm going to read that one more time. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Father, we thank you for your word. It gives us life, direction. It gives us your heart. Father, as I share, I say as John, I must decrease that you increase. Father, may we hear you with the spiritual ear. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is It Is Written. And it's so important. Our pastor has been doing a series on the word of God. What is written? And as I was listening to the sermon last week, um, he had jumped into Hebrews 4, part of his sermon. And he said two things. We have an inheritance and we have power. And it hit me then, not that it's new revelation, but a reminder of what we really have when we are saved. And the fact that we lack not one good thing. Now, sometimes we'll look around and say, well, where is it? I mean, Lord, I'm lacking. There's things that I need. There's things that are going on. But how many of you know we are in the middle of a spiritual warfare? The moment you said yes to Christ, you enlisted in the army. And your baby shower gift was the whole armor of God. Now, if God is giving you the whole armor of God and he's trying to tell us something, not only are you in the family, now you're about the father's business. And the father's business is to advance his kingdom. So it's not just that we got saved and we're going to wait to the sweet by and by and we're going to wait till Christ comes back and we're going to live in heaven for eternity, which is all true. But he has a work for us to do here because he said, it's not my will that any perish, but that all come into the knowledge of your saving grace or his saving grace. And how many know our pastor, our leaders can't reach people you can reach. He said, it's not his will that any perish. So everybody that's around you, whether it be your neighborhood, your family, your workplace, that is your missions field to advance this kingdom so that one person perishes on your watch. They should know Christ because you are right there. So I want to go to this temptation that we see. Now, this tells you how dumb the enemy is because he's trying to tempt God himself. Now, we have an adversary, and you need to know that. The greatest deception he has today is that he doesn't exist. So he doesn't mind you being saved, and he doesn't mind you believing in the word, but he doesn't want you to think that he exists. And if you don't think he exists, then you don't guard what God has given you. 
You know, we have locks on our cars and alarms on our houses. Why? To keep people out. It's a defensive mechanism. We just don't leave our doors open and our, and our cars open. We lock them up. We guard the things that are ours. But the scripture reminds us to guard. So as I was praying, God, what do you want me to share with the congregation? One word came to my mind. This scripture, and he said, fortify. So as I began to meditate on fortify, it means to help and to strengthen in a defensive way, to guard against attack. How many of you are being attacked in here? Spiritually, you are being attacked. You feel it from every side. Good, and I know this message is going to hit some of you. The rest of you that aren't being attacked, hallelujah, get ready. Because it's only around the corner. I hate to say that, but it's right around the corner. <laughs> Second Timothy 2.14 tells us to guard the good deposit. What is that good deposit? It's the gospel and the inheritance that we have. So the moment you got saved, you stepped into a spiritual inheritance that Satan can't stand because he lost access to it. So he figures, if I can't take your salvation, I'm going to try to take your inheritance. And I'm going to do it through the modes of your flesh, your mindset, your pride. These are going to be the open doors, he says, to get in. So as we look at this scripture, Matthew 4, it starts off then. Well, because it starts off then, we need to look at, well, what happened before then? So we go to Matthew 3, and we see John the Baptist baptizing. And he's saying, you know, there's one coming that I'm not even worthy to baptize him, basically. Fast forward, Jesus shows up, and John said, mm-mm, you need to baptize me. I recognize who you are. You are Jesus. Baptize me. And the Lord said, no, you're going to baptize me for the fullness of righteousness. Pause. Em- employers, don't try to make your employees do something you're not willing to do. This is a perfect example of Jesus saying, look, I'm going to follow what God scripted out. So I can set the example for all mankind that this is the way you do it. This is the way. Walk in it. So he has John baptize him. Then, of course, we know the heavens open and God speaks. This is my son who I am well pleased. Mark says the account. Listen to him. So here we have the affirmation of our heavenly father over his son. Then he's led to the wilderness by the spirit. It doesn't say by the enemy. It says he's led to the wilderness by the spirit. God will test you. And a lot of times we don't recognize the test until it's over. And we recognize our grade. Oh, Lord, that was a test. (laughs) She hated in school, the teacher would come and put your books away and take out your pencils. Be like, oh, Jesus, I knew I should have studied that chapter last night. But this is one of those moments that Jesus, after the, the greatest victory, now he's being tested. And he's being led into the wilderness, not the mountaintop, the valley, the wilderness, where it's dry, where it's nothing there, nothing's growing, the wilderness. Nobody, does anybody in here like the wilderness? Am I by myself? Okay. So he's being led to the wilderness. So let me show you why he's being led to the the wilderness. Praise God, we have the scriptures to see. They didn't back then. They just had to walk by faith and believe, look, God is up to something. But Deuteronomy 8 says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, that he may test you, 
to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. He humbled you to let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here God is sending his own people in the wilderness, but he's there with them. And he's saying, this is the reason I'm going to send you there. This is a test. One, we got to get that pride out of you. So I'm going to humble you. And I'm going to feed you not with the chicken and waffles that you like. You going on a serious fast. You going on a diet. You, I'm going to provide manna for you every day. You don't even have to go to giant. I'm, it's going to be right in your doorstep. Open the door. There it is. Manna literally means what is it? So they open their door and be like, what is it? <laughs> that does not look like my menu. But God did it to humble them. And they complained, as you see in scripture. They were so tired of manna, God said, fine, I'm going to send you quail. Quail was everywhere. You know, how many know God will give you what you want to let you know what you had before was better? That'll, that's free right there. Just park. <laughs> Let's just pause and meditate on that. But there's three areas that the enemy will tempt you in. So he was led to the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted of the enemy. So before you get into ministry and all of us are ministers, you may not stand on a stage, but you're a minister wherever an ear is. That's your pulpit. Whether it's Harris Teeter, Lion King, wherever you going, hallelujah. <laughs> that is your ministry. So here we are being tempted by the enemy, but Jesus fasts 40 days and 40 nights. And it says he was hungry. This is hangry. This is just past. I'm in this wilderness. First of all, I'm fasting and praying. Now I'm looking at the tempter. And so here comes Satan, Jesus hungry. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, Command that these stones become bread. But he answered, being Jesus, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here the enemy is tempting Jesus in the lust of the flesh. His desire, his desire was he's hungry and he wants to eat. So the enemy will hit you right where your desires are. Where are you hungry? Because that's exactly where he's going to tempt you. First John 2 16 reminds us for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Those are the three areas the Lord would have us fortify. And the sense I got because of the fortification is he wants to bless us and trust us with more. The sense I got is, you know, when you're 16 and you're, you now you can go get your permit so you, you like the day before 1159, you're at your your parents door talking about, okay, time to go to DMV. What time do they open? And as parents with trepidation, we drop the keys in our kids' hands after they pass their test and we ride with them. Lord, help us. <laughs> <laughs> and after we're comfortable, we what? Let them go recognizing what we're literally putting in their hands. It's more power. It's more authority 
Now they can really be transit. That's the kind of sense I got as I was praying about this fortification, that God wants to trust us with more. And in order for us to be trusted with more, we need to make sure we are fortified in these areas. So we see the first place that the enemy attempts him is where he's hungry. So we need to ask ourselves, what are we hungry for right now? Is it a spouse? Is it a job position? What is it that we've been fasting and praying and now we're hungry? We've waited on God and we're hungry. That's the very area you need to fortify because the compromise will always come before the promise. And the compromise looks so close to the promise that you need the spirit of discernment to know that's not what is written. Because the enemy was quoting to Jesus what was written. He was saying it is written. The first time he quoted Deuteronomy 8. Because it says, as I read earlier, you shall not live by bread alone. So here the enemy is quoting the scripture. Who is this adversary? Well, we know he's a fallen angel. Remember in Isaiah 14, this is how he got kicked out. His little speech before he got kicked out. How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning? Now they called him the star of the morning. He was Lucifer, an angel. Son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, where did he say it? In his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the assembly and the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. Now, this was his heart. It was in his heart, and God cast him out, kicked out. No combination to the lock anymore. You are out. And this is who we're dealing with because the scripture says Jesus made an open show of him, so he's homeless. The Lord took the keys of hell, death, and the grave. So not only did he make an open show, in the hood we used to say they they wore you out right in front of everybody. It wasn't like take you in the alley and wear you out. We took you in the street and let all your homies see that we beat you down. That's basically what that scripture means. That's my interpretation. Yeah, we did it. Now I beat you up and I'm taking your keys, which means now you're homeless. Do you see why he wants to live with you? So he roams the earth to figure out where can I chill? Where can I live? And the only way he can do it is tempt you. That's the only way he can get in. He's not coming, I'm sorry to tell you, with the pitchfork and ears. He's not doing that. He's coming in a way of deception where it looks real good, sounds real good. And without the spirit of discernment, you're going to fall for it because he's going to have a, it is written in front of what he needs to say. But praise God for the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Try the spirit by the spirit. If you're saved, you have the spirit of the living God living in you. And he will help you discern what is right and what is wrong. In this season, I believe we're not going to fight against the world. We're going to fight against the church who is cardinal. They have a, it is written. However, what they're saying is written is not written. That's not the spirit of what God said. I was sitting in a, in a um, getting my hair done, and I was so glad. It was just me, my book, and then my daughter showed up, was going to get her hair done, and it was packed out. I'm under the hood, minding my own business, reading my own book. 
and I hear these conversations going on, but I'm just like in the periphery. I'm hearing them, but I'm not hearing them. And the, the salon is packed. And it's a girl and a guy arguing about their sinful lifestyle. So he's chosen an alternative lifestyle. So she's going at him with the word of how he's wrong. And then he was going at her, reminding her that she had children out of wedlock. So basically they were going back to whose sin is, is better and, and who's right. And I'm just reading my book, trying to get my hair done. <laughs> so the man looks at me and he says, what do you say? Jesus. My daughter just drops her head. She was like, of all the people in this salon that he could have asked, he going to ask my mama. So I said to her, baby, I felt like an old lady, baby, go get my Bible. Because it was in the car. Didn't have my pocket knife with me. I had the big one this time. So she went in the, the car and got my Bible. And I said, I believe what the word says. So in his bold self, he said, well, what does the word say? I said, well, hold on. I'm going to turn to Romans chapter one. You could have heard a pin drop in the salon. And I was like, Lord, I was just trying to get my hair done. <laughs> so I read the entirety of Romans chapter one and chapter two. He looked at me. What you going to say when you have it, it is written. So he changed the subject real quick like Satan did. He went on to something else. The lust of the eye. He said, well, the lust of the flesh didn't work. Let me try the lust of the eye. So he said to me, well, I don't like how you church people treat me. And I said, let me be the first to apologize to you. I said, because you can serve the right thing, but serve it the wrong way. So in the spirit of God who loves you and doesn't want to see you go anywhere but to heaven, let me be the first to apologize. But the word does not change. It is written. So you have to decide in your heart who is your God and who you're going to worship. And I gave him my card. I said, I would love to have lunch with you. Of course, I didn't tell him I was a pastor and he never called, but... I would love to have lunch with you because it's my responsibility. If God parked him in my path, how many know it's my responsibility to tell him what is written? Amen. Amen. All of us have that responsibility. So as I said, Satan couldn't do anything with that. So he, he deflects. He says, okay. Says then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. That's the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of man, throw yourself down for it is written. Uh oh, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands. They will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. This joker has a nerve to quote Psalms 91 <laughs> to Jesus. This was Jesus response. On the other hand, it is written, you shall not. Put the Lord, your God, to the test. So, Satan said, oh, that didn't work either. Okay, let's try this. 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan. You ever have your mommy, you try and talk to her over and over again. She just said, go on in your room. That means the conversation is over. Go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It says, then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. And Marcus says he left him for a more opportune time. So the enemy's like the Terminator. I'll be back. I'll be back with plan B. (laughs) I'll be back to try to trip you up. But what I love here is the picture of spiritual warfare. You cannot fight the enemy without the word of God. And our pastor tells us to read our Bible every day. And it's not just a natural routine just to say, I read my Bible and check it off. It is to get in you and become alive. It's called rhema word. So you have the logos, which is the written word, but then you have the rhema, which is the word alive. You know, when you eat those donuts and it starts to add to you. (laughs) Let me just break this down for real. That's what the word is supposed to do when you eat it. It adds to you in a good way. So it's not you just sitting there smelling the donut. Oh, this smells good. Oh, this looks good. Let me put this on the shelf right here. And I've been in my word. You're supposed to get in that word and digest it and meditate on it and know it so that when the enemy comes to you, you have it. It is written. And it's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. So, of course, the enemy goes away. But he did the same thing to Eve in Genesis. Check this out. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and it was a delight to her eyes, lust of the eye, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, pride of life, it says she took. And not only did she take, she tempted her husband and he took. So those elements are there before your temptation, before you fall. He's going to show you, looks good. He's going to say, it tastes good. And oh, by the way, you're going to be better if you do this. And she took. So God wants us to fortify those areas so we're not deceived, but we walk in discernment. Because it's not the world that's going to tell you it's okay, it's the church. It's those who do not understand the spirit of the law. It's the letter of the law they live by. And so I call it cafeteria Christianity. They just walk in the Bible and take what they want. And in immaturity, when they sit at the table, they got a bunch of gummy bears and pizza on their plate. And then they're trying to nourish you. No. My, My son did that when he was little, and I have to go right back to that buffet, take that pizza off. I didn't put it back on the thing, no. (laughs) Take them gummy bears off. No, we live in a household of faith. How many, your mama, when she made the meal, she made it balanced and she said, eat it. It was not a a cafeteria or a restaurant where you can tell mama, I don't want that. At least my mom, I couldn't do that. She would say, if you don't eat it for dinner, it'll be breakfast. Those were my choice. Those were my only choices. Not I'll make you something else. We live in a household of faith and God prepares a perfect, balanced, healthy meal. Do I want the vegetables? No. I don't want to love my enemy. Matter of fact, I want to tell my enemy off. How about that? 
I get up and I don't want to read my Bible. My flesh wants to lay in the bed another 30 minutes. But I tell my flesh, look at here, you are not leading this train. You getting up and you're going to read, meditate, study that word. So in the midst of it, we have to get into the word. So I want to talk about the warfare, which I just did, and the word and your worship. Now the word, when he said, man shall not live by bread alone, that natural word, the things that come. He said, but by every word, the spiritual words that come out of God's mouth. I mentioned Hebrews 4.12 earlier. For the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even for the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What does that mean? That word will check you on the regular. You can argue with your friend, you can argue with your prayer partner, you can argue with your pastor, but that word right there, when you read that word, it says what it says and it doesn't need backup. So you're either going to believe the word of God or walk away from it. There's no in between. So I'm so glad the word checks me in my prayer closet. When I get in the word, the Lord begins, it's a spiritual mirror. You need to comb your hair. You need to do something with that. And And praise God, it's not condemnation. How you know he's helping us? Because you don't want to go out there and your coworker look at you and say, babe, is everything okay? You want the Lord to do that for you. So that word is so important to get in because it gives us life. It discerns for us. We as a church need the spirit of discernment. Most of the things that come on TV that say they're talking about God, I'm like, what Bible are you reading? The world needs the truth. And we don't make people comfortable. God is after our character, not our comfort. You're not going to grow if we make you comfortable. He's after our character. So we change and we're more like him. That's where the power is. Second Corinthians three, five and six says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who is also made an adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter by the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What does that mean? Don't just live by the letter of the law, live by the spirit of the law. God came to fulfill the the law, not to demolish it or get rid of it. It was a shadow of the form. You ever walk down the street and see your shadow? We can see it, but it doesn't have the details of what you have. So I can tell it's you by your shadow. But when I see you, I see all the details, your eyes, the color of your hair, what you're wearing. The shadow does not tell me that. Well, Jesus is standing here saying, I am the shadow and I am the form. Now the letter of the law and the spirit of Lord have met or spirit of the law have come together. And now we see the heart of God. And so that's what we're called to do. Exhibit the spirit of the Lord. And you can't do that apart from his word. His word has his heart in it. So when you read your word, you need to ask God, God, give me your heart in this. I just don't want the letter of the law. Don't want to go out there condemning. When I first got saved, I used the Bible as an Uzi. My family saw me coming and would run. But here she come, y'all. Who invited her to the family reunion? Because I just had the letter of the law, what you're not supposed to do and what you're supposed to do. How I many you know it's so much bigger than that? 
I told her earlier service, my son was being funny. I said, go get my Bible in the room. It's on the dresser. He went in there and came back without the Bible. I said, where's my Bible? He said, it's on the bed. (laughs) Now, of course, he was being funny. But what was the spirit of what I was saying? Get the Bible. I want my Bible. But isn't that how many of us live? The Lord didn't say you can't smoke reefer. Show me that in scripture. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just convicted the, fo- the front. Somewhere in this front row. I'm not going to point. Just somewhere in this front row over here, y'all. Hallelujah. I'll move on to my next point. Worship. Hallelujah. God says, Matthew 4, 9 and 10, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Oh, that's the motivation, Satan. You want me to worship you. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan. You only worship one person and him only will you serve. Today, God is calling us to fortify the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life that we see in the world. We need to lock the doors to those things. And we need to walk by the Spirit of God, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I don't care how hungry you are. Stay hungry. Esau and Jacob, Esau, Esau lost his birthright because he refused to stay hungry. Jacob got it. Don't give up your inheritance that God has given you. Stay hungry. Know the importance of what God has given you. Because just like the enemy did to Jesus, he's doing to us. He's questioning our sonship. Because within our sonship is the inheritance. So is God able to provide for you? Is God able to protect you? Is God able to help you in this present time? And he'll point to the things that you're lacking to say, hmm, he introduces doubt. But you need to introduce him to the spirit of the Lord in worship. And just like Jesus said, you say, go Satan. Let's try that together. On three. One, two, three. Go Satan. We don't have nothing to say to you. So I want us to pray and ask God to help us. The practical wisdom of God. Where do we need to fortify? Where do we need to lock doors that may be open? Where am I hungry? Where am I tired? Lord, what have I been looking at that my eyes are starting to look at that more than you? Because if we don't get those things, the enemy's going to come in and take your lunch. Your inheritance. Because that's really what he's after. He wants your worship and your inheritance. And I pray we all do what Jesus did. Go, Satan. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this example of spiritual warfare. Lord, we cannot fight or have power outside of your word. But we know it's more than just knowing your word. It's that rhema word, that word alive in us that helps us stand in the midst of this nation, stand in the midst of people who don't believe your spirit and declare, for it is written. I thank you that we do it in love and not condemnation. We do it in hope, believing that people will hear your voice and turn from their wicked ways. Father, show us practically if there's any doors that we have open to the enemy. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. We want none of it, Lord. 
Help us to lock every door, every window, every access, Lord, that the enemy will not come in. We've chosen to worship you and you only. We thank you for fortifying.